You're listening to Productive Flourishing. Thanks for joining us today. It's strange. There was a moment when you stopped going to the playground, right? Like there was one last time you went and then you never went back. And then you're like, oh man, it was so sad. But there, there are times where then you filled it with something else. And I guess my question, you know, to your listeners is like, when, when was the last time you had that like all in moment? Because if you think of anything creative and innovative and like, crazy that has been invented most of those were done through a playful mindset that was jeff harry an international speaker and consultant who shows how play enhances problem solving and innovation in today's episode we break into what we mean by play it's not just childish fun and how it doesn't have to be something in addition to your day-to-day work We also dive into the hidden objection most people have to play and how to avoid pandemic perfectionism. If you like this episode, you might also like episode 152 with Larry Robertson. We'll link that up in the show notes. I'm Charlie Gilkey, and this is Productive Flourishing. Welcome to Productive Flourishing, where we explore how to do the work that matters so you become your best self in the world. I'm your host, Charlie Gilkey, And I'm joined by Angela Wheeler and other guests who will share their stories, insights, wins, and challenges in the hopes that our journeys and stories will help you with yours. Now, on to the show. Jeffrey. (laughs) Jeffrey, you you sound like I'm in trouble. I'm in trouble. What what did I do? Jeffrey. Given this episode, maybe we don't edit out, right? Because that's the stuff that happens. I got another buddy. Good buddy. Also named Jeff, but he prefers Jeffrey. And so I've just trained myself that when I'm talking to a oh, Jeff, yeah, yeah. that it's Jeffrey. Yeah. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't like being called after the Toys R Us giraffe. I'm just saying. Hey. Cool, cool. Well, Jeff, thanks so much for joining me today. Um, I've been pumped to have this conversation in general. But as I was saying in the green room, you know, I'm showing up today after looking at my schedule, after looking at the projects on deck. And I'm like, you know, this whole idea of like, finding time to play and playing like it sounds good like i'm behind it no i hear you but yo look at my schedule man right how how are we gonna make this work how am i going to justify this justify this with everything else going on so let's start unpacking some of this because we're both really big advocates for play and we know that that's the thing i want to start with is like we're not approaching this from the place of like this is super easy it's just one of those things you do like you got to make time for it yeah yeah I mean, you have to make time for it, but I think also you just have to embrace the perspective of it because I'm asking like, well, what are you doing all this in the first place? Are you enjoying the ride in and of itself? You know, because if you're hopping on these 15 meetings, like, are you enjoying these meetings? Like there's some sort of play process that I'm about because especially now during the quarantine times, like it's such a roller coaster of emotions and And, you know, in order to really enjoy the highs, you also have to be able to, like, play in the lows. Um, But I think a lot of people instead are like, well, let me just binge watch Netflix and feel numb the whole time. But it's like, man, come on. The the exciting parts are in the taking risks. It's in the creative moments. It's in, like, being ridiculous. Like, when you leave this quarantine – what do you want to look back on and be like, this was the most enjoyable 
part of this or this is I lived it up even though I was stuck in my house the whole time. You know what I'm saying? Well, there are two points there. One is um, and one is where I want to start with, because that's how I reframe that feeling like, oh, I don't have time to play because I'm looking at my schedule. Right. Um, and then I look and I was like, you know what? Actually, I get to have great conversations. Mm-hmm. A lot. I get to play right. with people and build things. And so there's this sort of thing that we do that we make work feel separate than play. Yes. The way we're thinking about it. And so when we look like, oh, I have a lot of work meetings this week, the first thing we think, you know, sort of in the front of our mind is like, well, that's a lot of work. Like where, you know, where's the play? Where's the joy? So on and so forth. I got to do that so that I get to do these other things. But there's also this reality that you can create such that those meetings that look like work for you are actually full of play and joy and wonder and things like that. You can still have too many. I'll be, I'll be clear about that. Yeah. That's you, can, true. you can still have too many. You can't have 15 <laughs> when you should have like five, but yes. Hey man, don't judge me. Um, <laughs> um, so you can still have too many. So first thing that we want to tackle is that there has to be this breakdown between work and play. Yeah. Right. That, that, that is always the case. And it just doesn't have to be. No. And I remember talking to a friend of mine who was a lawyer and she was like, yeah, I don't play. I don't, I don't, I don't play enough. And I was like, okay, well, what do you do? You know, what do you do, you know, in your job? And she's like, well, well, I enjoy most of my job is I love to get people that hate each other or disagree with each other to actually come to some compromise. And I was like, man, that sounds really complicated, but she's like, yeah, but I like, it's almost like Tetris trying to figure out how do I like, you know, make sure this person's egos in check, you know, in order to agree that there was the other person that's being a horrible person, you know? Um, and I was like, dude, that is you just messing around. That is what play is right then and there. And she's like, oh, you know, I just never thought about that. So that would be what I would be challenging the listeners is like, there is something about your work that you enjoy so much that you forget about time because that's how I define play. I define it as like this joyous action that you're doing where you literally forget about time and it's all about the process and not the result. Um, and you would literally, you would want to do this just for free because it's so enjoyable. And what, what are those moments? And can we just tweak out a little bit more of those moments or simply just enjoy them as they're happening? Yeah. So point number one here, we don't have to make play an extra thing on top of what you're doing. We infuse it into what you're doing. Right. Right. Or see that what you're doing is play. Right. Right. So not an extra thing. We ain't trying to add a whole bunch of work onto your plate because we get it. We know what's going on. Right. Right. Um, on that front. And, um, you know, the, the thing that I might, hmm, I'm not necessarily going to challenge. I might add, you, you mentioned joyful action where you lose time. Mm-hmm. Right. I would also say that there are, some of us, I'll speak for myself, sometimes the things that I'm having the most fun playing with, I actually don't have the feeling of fun or joy or immersion or everything because I'm just in it. Absolutely. There's no separation between me and what I'm doing. So sort of we can think in terms of flow, like writing. A lot of times I'm not sitting there joyfully writing like, oh, I'm having a really great time writing right now. This is the, what I want to do. It's just there's no real distinction between <laughs> Fingers on keys and Charlie and keys and things like that. It's just complete immersion. True, but you are in flow though, right? Like when when Jordan or Kobe were going off, you know, for fifty or sixty, you know, they are they are fully present in that moment. 
They might not be like, man, I'm just loving my life right now. <laughs> but they are like fully present and and um, kind of just in the moment. So I'm challenging people to try to find more in the moment opportunities. Yeah, we, we totally agree on there. I just want to make sure that people like, again, if you talk to Jordan or Kobe or Charlie or Jeffrey when Jeffrey's doing they his thing. Yeah, when they're killing it, when they're killing people, they're not thinking like, I'm, this is joyful. Right. Yeah. They're just like, <laughs> nope, nope. Um, I'm, <laughs> I'm going to get it. Right. Um, and so this opens up a wide range though, for people though, because when, when we have these conversations with people about what play is, they're like, well, like, I don't ride roller coasters anymore and I don't play right. video games and I don't ride the bike. And I, you know, they come up with all these sort of childhood sort of fun activities and assume right. that play equals sort of that fun state and it can, but it need not. Right. Um, where do you get lost? Right. And it could be that fun for you play for you is a novel on the couch, you know, by a fire where you're Absolutely. just wrapped up in that and, you know, cat nipping at your toes and all those sort of things. That could be your sense of play. Yeah. And, and, and that there isn't like a certain way you need to. I feel like it's weird how it's strange. There was a moment when you stopped going to the playground, right? Like there was one last time you went and then you never went back. And then you're like, oh, man, it was so sad. But there, there are times where then you filled it with something else. And I guess my question you know, to your listeners is like, when, when was the last time you had that, like, all in moment? Because if you think of anything creative and innovative and like crazy that has been invented, most of those were done through a playful mindset. They were done through this playful growth oriented mindset where, um, you were you had fallen more in love with the process than you had fallen in love with the result. Yeah, I think that's. Um, I'll provide other words. I like play, but in case people get hung up on that word, because I've seen this so many times again, full immersion, yeah. full immersion into the process, right? Um, and you're just doing it and not worrying about the. I was going to say, not worried about the game we play, which is kind of funny because that's the thing is that we end up playing so many games that aren't fun, <laughs> that aren't playful because, oh, I got to do, I got to play the success game. I got to play the, this guy has to look a certain way game. Yep. I have to play the, this has to get this resort, this result game, or I have to look a certain way game. Right. Um, and we're so busy playing those games and no one really wants to play them, but we do. That's the, that's the ironic part is because we're already playing anyway. We're playing these roles. Right, yep. we're playing these characters at our job. They're pr I'm the professional man. I put my suit and tie on, and this is how I speak, you know. And then, and then I take that off, and it's just like you don't even want to do that, you know. And and I guess what I always challenge people of talking about, like, well, what is the power of play? I always love referencing the story of the Wright brothers and how, like, the Wright brothers are these random mechanics that are trying to make this thing fly. This this idea that seems far fetched, and at first their town is laughing at them, but then starts helping them out. And meanwhile, you have a you have a company um, funded by Ford and other like corporations, and they had brought the best scientists together to figure out how to make the first flying machine. And in that stressful, painful environment where like 
you know, but they had all the funding. I think at the time it was like an investment of like a million dollars, which was crazy for that time period. And they weren't able to figure it out. But these mechanic dudes were in their back of their shop talking with like their neighbors who were like, hey, maybe I can get like some. I, I got a piece for you that will help you out. Like they were super immersed in the process. Meanwhile, they're both going for a certain result. But the Wright brothers were willing to like fail miserably and painfully and publicly and laughed at. And because they just are just fascinated with the idea of like, wouldn't this be cool? Wouldn't this be possible? And if you think about any, you know, major organization or startup, when they're first starting off, that is the that is the play space they're in where they're like, I don't know if this is going to work, but I'm just going to experiment and see what happens. And that's where the magic is. The magic's in the play, man. Come on. (laughs) I love that so much. You know, I talk about this a little bit in Start Finishing, where I talk about the difference between crockpot creativity and pressure cooker creativity. Right. Uh, And it's it's that sort of way in which, you know, to go to this point where we think so many of us think that creativity equals that sort of crock, that sort of instant, you know, pressure cooker. Like we got to yep. set a deadline, we got to crunch, we got to crush it, we got to do all those types of things, and that becomes sort of how we're living and operating creatively. Yep. Um, but when you really look at it, so much of people's great work and their fun and their joy and the things that matter actually come from the crockpot side. Yep. Where people just sort of stirring something in there's like, "Oh, that don't taste quite right." And then they'll put something else in there's like, mm, "That's a little better, a little worse," right? And so yep. case study in in this case with the Wright brothers where it's like those guys, they were just out there, it's basically, you know, they're in the backyard trying to make this thing work. And I wonder if that would work. I wonder if that would work. Nope, that didn't work, right? Whereas um you know, over on the Ford side, they're like, "We have to have the engineering plan and we have to have the specifications and we have to have all this like no one knows what we're doing and we have a deadline we have to make this deadline this arbitrary deadline that's been made up for them so there's so much pressure on them to perform and you see that with what happens with a startup and then when it goes public and then all of a sudden they have to meet quarterly results like you can't be creative in that environment you can't be creative in that environment now here's what i'll say to both to both ends, and this is sort of you know Jeffrey Jeffrey. See, I did it again. Jeff knows me well enough. Is like it's both things can be true, right? Since if so many of us don't end up shipping our best work just because we don't put a date on something, right? right. We're I like am. I'm I just am. gonna keep playing. I'm gonna keep tinkering. I'm gonna keep doing something. It's like at some point you need to fly, right? right. At some point, like you need to do something with that, or you got to ship it. So I'm not saying like you know go through your to do list or go through whatever and just like take all the dates off and don't pay any attention right. to things, right? Because just those um, those points in time just allow us to channel our creative forces into some finished thing that we got to get out there. Yeah. So both can be true. But if you feel like, you know what, I'm going to get this book done or I'm going to get this project done. I'm going to give myself two weeks. So I got to get it done. Like, exactly. yeah, nah, bro. Nah, nah, that's not going to yeah, be. You're like crushing your creativity by limiting yourself that way. But yeah, I mean, I, I agree with you though, that there has to like, at the end of the day, you have to create something. Right. So like recently, especially during the quarantine, I started making all these ridiculous videos have no monetary value. There, there's no plan to them. They're just some of them are just beyond stupid. They're just dumb. But like as I make this video, some other video idea pops up or some other crazy idea pops up. And it's it's weird how like 
I made this weird video where I, I was like mimicking someone exercising from the 1980s. And then someone was like, man, I loved your video. You should speak on this summit. Wait, what? Wait, what are you talking about? Like, that makes no sense. As stupid. You don't know. So you just have to create and put it out there and just see what happens, man. Someone reached out to me because they saw me dancing in an alien costume. And they were like, you know, we may, may want to buy the rights to that 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 video. I'm like, what are you talking about right now? But And, you know, and also, yes. <laughs> yeah, what? So I, that's the part that I feel I would challenge people to do is like make, create and play, but put it out there um, because I, I agree with the whole Elizabeth Gilbert um, theory where she's like, no geniuses exist, but genius does visit you. And if you don't channel that idea, it goes to somebody else. And then you, later on, you feel all bad because you didn't do it. And someone else did. They didn't do it as well as you. And you're just all angry. And it's like it is visiting you during your flow state. So it's your time to channel it or it's going to leave you. Yeah. Well, pop a link to Big Magic in there. It's one of my favorite books. So if you haven't read it, read it because this is what we're talking about on this front. Um, you know what I've been telling people through, through these COVID times um, they're like, we don't know what to do. Things are so uncertain. You know, we, we don't know where things are going to be six, nine months from now. I'm like, you know what? Now's actually a perfect time for you to do all those like little silly projects that you haven't made time for, because like, you know, you, you had other important things to do and locked on and, and things like that. And so it's like, now's a really great time for you to be making silly videos. Now's a really great time for you to be writing short stories. Right. Now's a really great time. I'm not saying you have to, because we're going to talk about this in a minute, right? Because people are like, I shouldn't be doing this. So people right, shouldn't, right, right, shouldn't right. all over themselves. But I'm saying, like, imagine if just during this period, you're like, you know what? Just create something because you can, yeah. right? Because you can, and then who knows where it's going to go? Who knows anything, right, at this point? But you know that you showed up and you made something today, right? right? And you had fun doing it, and you, and maybe it was valuable, maybe it was funny, maybe it just got brain giblets out of your head, like whatever, right? Now's a really good time for us to be seasoned on some of these, like, you know, week-long little mini projects or day-long projects or just, you know, what, it, what else are you going to do? Sit there and watch the news all day? I know. Or binge watch Netflix and they're not feeling creative. I feel also when you are willing to make something, what you're really ultimately doing is you're like, you know, like burrowing down and really trying to find out, like, what is my voice? What do I want to say right now? How do I want to show up? Because what's funny is like I was even going to make a video about this. I, I refer to this as the uh, uh, pandemic perfectionist, you know, mm -hmm. where where people are looking, well, what should I be doing or what do I have to do? Or or they see videos where people are like, this is what you need to do during the quarantine. And you're like, what are you talking about, dude? You don't know what you're talking about. Nobody's been in any of this. So no one should be giving you advice except for you right now about what is possible. You know yourself better than anyone else. So just take the time to like listen to that voice. And usually, at least for me, that voice pops up for me when I'm exploring various types of play, when I'm creating stuff. Um, and then and then I feel much more liberated than me just simply doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing right now. Yeah, I mean, we live in funny times because the irony is we're saying, like, you know, maybe you should go be doing something, maybe not listening to other people's advice. And yet we're giving advice. 
Right. I, just, yeah. just, <laughs> the funny part is like my advice to people would be like, do you listen to you spend the time trying to hear you? You know, that would be. And, and also, if you don't, if the only reason why one should listen to any advice I'm giving is only if it resonates with them. But if it doesn't resonate with them, then forget Jeff. He doesn't know what he's talking about because it's not, he's not speaking to me. Um, and that's the part that I feel like this would be the opportunity where you can hear your voice the most. And I feel that appears when you meditate. I feel that appears when you're mindful. And I feel like it appears when you play. Absolutely. Absolutely. So um, as someone who has given a lot of advice during the COVID period, it's always, as Jeffrey says, like, you know, um, we produced a lot for like working from home and remote management for teams and things like that. Right. Because there are a lot of people like, that's what I want to do. And that's what right. I want to learn how to do. Right. right. We're here for you. I'm not saying you should do that. Right. right? Um, and there are people like, what should I do with my kids? Not necessarily us. Cause I know we don't have kids, but I'm like, maybe like, there's been a question that a playful question that I've been asking clients for a long time. Um, that's been especially relevant during this period is like, what would you do if there were no right answers here? Yes. yes. What would you do if there wasn't some answer out there where like, this is what you should do. This is the one right path. What if it was just a range of things you could do that may in the end have similar outcomes, Mm -hmm. but if there were no right answers, what would you do? Um, and it unlocks a lot for people because they're like, well, I would, they almost instantly know what they would do. Right. Um, but it's when it's like, what's the right thing to do? Then they're like, well, I could do this and I could do that. And then there's this, and I don't know. And it's like, what would you do if like, there were no right answers? Oh, I'd do this. Then go do that. Yeah. Right. And, and I'm always fascinated of like, well, where did you get that right answer? Whose right answer is that? Why are we listening to some random, you know, like boss of ours that is like, this is how you have to do it. When you know when you're most creative, you know when you're most productive, you know, and tapping into that way of working that works best for you. Yeah. So, I mean, we're going to slide over into less top level play stuff uh-huh. and, and more deeper level why we don't play stuff. All right, let's go. Right. Um, and so I want to pause here because it's, what I've found over and over again is people don't allow themselves to play at a deep level because they don't think they deserve to play. Yes, absolutely. Right. And so if you, if you're stuck in that sort of spot, if that's what you've hold, held on to, like a lot of what Jeffrey and I are talking about, I did it again, right. Jeff and I are talking about it um, are just those sort of top line things where you won't actually give yourself permission to play because you yeah. think you don't deserve it. Um, or you think you've got to work for it. Yeah. You've got to work hard, do things that you don't like, so that at some point there's a pleasure payoff. Yep. Where you do get to do those things. And so it's like, what if, so a few what if questions here, because Jeff knows I love what if questions. What if the things you've already done in your life were the work? Yes. And now is the time yes. <laughs> where, where you get to play. What if it's like not one of those things where you always have this empty bank account of work you got to do? Mm-hmm. You know, so that a piece of that can fall over to play. What if it's already full and you just need to tap into it? I, I, I feel like it, it reminds me of someone that's like, oh, I'm going to enjoy my retirement. I'm going to work really hard for 40 years. And then those last 20 or 30 years of my life, that's when I'll enjoy my life. And it's like, oh, that sounds depressing. Like, why can't you be enjoying it at this very moment in time? Um, the, the part that like, if someone is like, well, you know, I just don't, I don't feel I deserve it. Um, 
Yeah, that that. How would I have someone explore that part? Well, I think I first would ask someone, well, what? When was the last time they feel like they actually did play? And I'm not talking about like with your kids. Like, when was the last time where they felt, as you said, fully immersed? And what are the what are the moments when they felt fully immersed? Is there a pattern of moments when they have? Because if you think of your greatest memories, there are play memories. They're probably play memories. So being that those are what makes life so worth living, and those are the ones that we're striving for, why wouldn't that be the goal instead of I need to work first, then get that? Absolutely. And also, um, there are plenty of adult activities that we would consider as playful, like sex, right? Right. Um, there, there are times when it's work and there's times when it's play. Um, and everyone who's been married knows what I'm talking about. Right. Right. Um, and so there are places where just in the mundane aspects of our life, we can switch from sort of that work sort of side mm-hmm. of things to that. Like, where do I find the play? Where do I find the sort of, you know, all the different ways it's, it's relevant for that domain, like conversations with your partner. Yeah. Right? They can be playful yep. or they can be logistical and work. Right. Um, they can be both. Right. But so again, the point is one, we're not saying this is extra stuff that you've got to do extra playtime. Right. But two, um, what, where I normally go with the whole deserving play thing is like, think about what you would tell your best friend or your brother or your kids. Like, do they have to like earn in that way? Like, is there some comp, some, um, work, that gives them the credit to have playful moments and to enjoy themselves yep. and to love themselves and do that? Like, or is it just a given? Right. And for most people, it's like, it's a given. Now, some of us, like sometimes kids do play too much, right. And they do, they actually need to go do some things, but right. Um, most of the time though, when we're talking in the adult relationships, right. Um, we recognize that there's places where we can go there. And if we assume that for somebody else, and this is about so many other things about rest and compassion and things uh-huh. like that. When we think about somebody else, it's always obvious that they deserve that yeah. right right now. They don't have to work for it. Yeah. But when it's us, it's like, nah, when it's me, I got to do I, I, I got to thing done. Yeah. Right. I got to get this thing done. Right. Um, and so that's just one thing to think about here is because like, um, I think it's Toynbee who's like, the, what is it? The supreme accomplishment is when um, there's no distinction between work and play. Yes, yes, yes. And I, I mean, I would challenge people also if they're like, well, you know what? I can't think of a time. I remember the last time I played or I was like that fully in the moment. All right. Ask your friends, when have you seen me most happy or when have you seen me most like fulfilled and 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 reach out to multiple people and ask that and be like, okay, look, I need more of this in my life. <laughs> Remind me of when that was those moments and then help me to do this a little bit more. I'm, you know, we're, we're talking about something as simple as just brainstorming with your friends, the next fun activity that you're doing, because one thing, and especially during these COVID times, um, is anticipation many times is almost as amazing as the experience. They've even talked about sometimes people love the anticipation more than the experience. So being that there's no place for us to travel, right? There's not like all these adventures that we potentially can take. We have to create smaller 
adventures and experiences to look forward to or ones to be to do right after when COVID finally subsides um, and explore that more with your friends and your family and your loved ones, you know, and then really dive into the mun, even in the mundane, there's play, right? Like, like the, um, uh, this was passing going around the internet where, uh, people were walking a lot. A lot of people are now walking all over the place. So this one family, um, put these two signs down and they were like, this is the silly walk area. And if you pass by our house, you must walk in a silly manner. And people started doing it. And this was like became viral. And then other people started making these signs as well. But it was just like, it's something as mundane as walking. But at that moment, for that stretch of 10 feet, people all of a sudden got all ridiculous, kids and adults. So like, it's in any moment that you want, if you really are willing to explore it. Now I want to see your silly walk, Jeff. So I mean, you know what silly walk is for people that are listening. It is the guy. It's that blow up guy in front of all those car dealerships. That's what it is. Uh, yeah. That's we'll get Jeff to make a video because it's super hard to get Jeff to make a video on these things. <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, so um, yeah, it's just finding those moments of levity and play, and you know, just to break away from the cycle of. Cycle. You know, um, what's on the news, what's on social media, what's in my email, what's this thing out there, you know, either about to bite me or that I got to stay on so it doesn't bite me. Or so that like that's sort of always constantly grasping for something externally. Yes. As opposed to just busting a move in the moment right now. Right. Yes. Because you, you've got this moment. Yes. And I think the other part that's interesting about this is I know a lot of, you know, my friends are now hopping on TikTok, which is hilarious, you know, because at first people were used to mocking. It's like, oh, it's just for like little kids. But now people are hopping on TikTok. Right. And they're like they're making stuff and they're having a fun time doing it. But then some of them are like, man, I'm trying to get TikTok famous. So they have now forgotten why they were creating in the first place. They have now created this right way. And the only way in which I can be successful on this new platform is if I have a viral video. And it's like, you forgot the reason why you showed up here in the first place. And that's, I think, the question you have to ask yourself with anything that you're making. Am I making this for somebody else or am I making this for myself? Because a lot of times when you finally make it for yourself, that's when it's most going to connect with people. So we've talked quite a bit about the intrinsic value of play. Um, we've sort of mentioned in the crockpot creativity and sort of the pressure cookies sort of thing, we mentioned the instrumental value of play. Yeah. So we're going to go to that side a little bit more, though, because I know some people are going to need some additional, um, some additional weight to, make, to yep. give themselves permission to play and to make it a thing, right? So we talked about innovation. We talked about, you know, this, this creativity. Mm -hmm. um, I think we can also talk about, um, well, what else would you want to add to this sort of va the value of play or the productive value of play? Let's put it that way. Um, I think some of our most challenging issues that we're trying to address can be addressed in a playful way. Not in like a fun way, but in a creative, you know, I, I hate the word outside the box thinking, but just like, you need to have that that level of um, 
expansive thinking. Like NASA did um, a study a while back where they had kids when they were the age of five take this test and come up with a bunch of like ideas. And then they tested that same group at the age of seven and at 10 and at 13, all the way up until they were adults. And they found that the kids at five and at seven showed certain levels of genius by the amount of ideas that they came up with. But as they got older, they became less creative. It just, the, the structure had just dumbed them down so much that they weren't able to think in that expansive way. Um, and that is really, if you want to solve climate change, if you want to figure out how we're going to get N95 masks to every hospital in America, if you want to figure out how we're going to test 300 million people, this is creative, innovative, crazy moments where you have to be in a play-oriented mindset and not in that fixed mindset where we have to do it a certain way. Because if not, we're not going to be able to solve those problems. You went to the macro problems, which I love that you you went to the big problems. Um, but the other way that we talk about, or and the other way that we talk about creativity is, is like those little C creative or little I innovative things that you do around your house. Like how you make your little patch of the planet, your home, your office, your work, you know, your backyard, your neighborhood, just a little bit better, right? right. Just right. a little bit better, um, either more joyous or more beautiful or more functional and things like that. And I think it's still that same sort of perspective of like, how can you approach it so that you break away from some of these things? And it reminds me of the silly walk people, right? Um, there are a bunch of ways of like how we might be able to make our neighborhood happy, how we might be able to do this sort of thing is like, or we can play and just like put a bunch of signs in our yard and see what happens. Right. Well, uh, well, then here would be my challenge. If, if people want to come up with like crazy ideas, you know what they need to do? They need to be bored. They need to get bored. And what are you talking about? Why would I be bored? I got social media. I got Netflix. I got, I got all this work I got to do. Nah, you need to, you need to get some moments where you're quiet. You don't have to meditate. You just got to be bored for a little bit because boredom, as weird as it sounds, is where the creativity and the play and the ideas lie. Because then once in a while, you're like, man, then you have this weird, strange idea that comes in your head. And you're like, oh, that's so weird. Why would I ever do that? Do it. Do that. Do that idea. Let's figure out that. And then see how you feel after you make that idea. That was the weird idea those people made when they made those signs and would put them outside. Wouldn't it be hilarious if we made these silly signs and put them outside? Okay, let's do it. Um, because I don't have anything else to do. And then all of a sudden, look, you know, like like there are these there's this family on uh TikTok. It is like a guy in his 70s. And he's like one of the most famous people on this site. And what he does is he does dances with his sons that are in their 20s. You know, when they first made their first one, I'm sure they were like, hey, dad, do you want to go dancing with us? And he'd be like, well, that's kind of ridiculous. And I might, you know, I might be scoffed at by my, my people at my job, but I don't care. Okay, I'll just do it because I don't have anything else to do because we're stuck here. So see where that 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 boredom and then that creativity takes you. I think you'll be amazed by the fun ride that you possibly could have. Yeah, I think Cal Newport talks about that and either digital minimalism or um, deep work. I can't remember which one he talked about it, but just it's the value of being bored. And that's the unfortunate thing. 
um, in our current times, this is pre-COVID, but also COVID, is that we have these distraction devices in our box, in oh. our pockets, right? That, that second that you're like, what am I doing right now? Check the phone. Second, what am I going to do right now? It's like you don't give yourself time to get bored because yeah. that's, a, that's a problem you're trying to solve, yeah. right? Uh, or you just don't even like free time equals do something else, right? Um, and, and so – go oh, ahead. Go ahead. Oh, no, the, the trick that I found also is I create when I haven't looked at anything. But as soon as I start watching way too many YouTube videos or too many like TED Talks or other stuff, I'm just like, oh, well, everyone's already made everything. So uh, it doesn't really matter. I, I'm never going to be an expert at any of that stuff. But when I don't consume, that's when I'm much more creative. Yeah, just as a quick aside here, this is something that I talk about a lot. Jeff's heard me heard me on this stump for a while. Is like one of the best things that we can do is delay our interaction with some of these devices, smartphones, email, things like that, until the latest in the day that we can get away with it. Right? One, it gives you a great opportunity to be bored in the morning, right? Um, and actually go and create what's uniquely yours without doing exactly as Jeff says, where you're like, you see someone do something, like, well, they already wrote that post, and so I don't need to write it, or they already made that song, um, and just, I'm not saying you should go out and buy stuff, but for me, what was incredibly valuable is I got like an iPod Touch, y'all, like one of the newer iPod Touches. It doesn't have any like text messaging, no social media, um, no yeah. Safari. It's basically like, you know, the iPod and I listen to music and I do most of the things that I need to do in the morning that actually get me into a creative zone without opening me up to all the stuff that other people are creating and what they're saying online and who did what and so on and so forth. And so just delaying that in the morning. But the other thing you can do is on the flip side in the evening is maybe delay that period of time between not working and Netflixing or not working and whatever you're sort of, I'm going to veg on the couch. And again, I want to really be clear here. A lot of us during these times are in fact needing more idle. I just need to veg out on the couch, right? I just need to not think for a while. We, we do need that. So I'm not judging that. But if you're doing that and you're noticing that it's not actually rejuvenating you, it's not actually working for you and nourishing you, yep. right? It's probably because you're like over consuming content that's not actually helping you and under creating the stuff in your world that does. Yep. And there's so many opportunities um, to like savor, right? Like I'm, I'm, I'm taking that Yale science of happiness class right now. And one of the challenges, one of the weeks was to savor. So I was going to have a meal and not look at my phone during it. You know how hard that was? I was like, there's so many things that are happening on my phone. But to simply just eat my meal and enjoy it, something as mundane and boring as that. And while I'm doing that, all of a sudden some ideas start popping up. So it's like, you know, these are always there. And it's, it just confounds me when someone is like, oh, man, like, you know, I want to create, but I don't feel like I can stop listening to everybody else and just listen to yourself for just a moment. That's all I'm asking. <laughs> that's all we're asking. Just a moment. <laughs> you know, and that's as much as I talk about the ways in which technology can get in a way and distract the crap out of us. Like it's really about mastering the tools in front of us exactly, and, and, and having a better relationship with them. And right now we're like in a peak time of micro creation, right? You want to 
do a podcast, but you can't think about you want to do a 50 minute podcast and who you're going to interview, like go to anchor, man. There's a lot of people that listen to three to five minute podcasts. You've got right. something that you can say in three to five minutes, right? TikTok, not for me, but a lot of people are loving creating stuff on TikTok, right? right. That's not your jam. Marco Polo to connect with your friends and just create right. videos where you're connecting in with friends. There's just, that's what I was saying earlier when like now's a good time for a bunch of mini projects, Right. Um, where we're largely just connecting and doing and, and um, not doing for the sake of doing, but if we sort of at some point have a couple of responses to what's going on. One, we can focus on what's happening to us. Yep. Two, we can focus on what we're doing, what yep. we're creating, how we're changing the people around us and doing the best we can with what we have. Right. And most of the times I've seen people being a far more resilient, happy, playful productive and successful place when they're in that second category of saying, you know what, there's a lot going on. I'm still going to do whatever I need to do, which again, and I have to keep reiterating this, could be seizing this period of time if it's if this is your context to just chill. Yeah. Maybe you don't spend you know yeah. your day filling up with more things to do. Maybe it's like, you know what? I'm furloughed. Um my kids are out doing whatever my kids are doing in the backyard. I'm just going to sit on the couch and eat some watermelon because I can right. do that. Right. Do like, it. like, like I'm going to figure out what are the things that now bring me joy that I haven't really thought about in a really long period of time. It's interesting though, because like, why do I watch the news? When I watch the news, I'm watching it because I feel like if I watch it, I'm going to get informed and it'll provide me a sense of control. It gives me none of that, you know, same thing with social, with, with certain social media. But what's interesting is when you're in a creative space, you actually are in a much more, you are in so much more control. Um, and, and I, and I, know I saw this meme recently where like, you know, um, I think it like showed like uh, Picasso and he was like, man, I have not created something in a whole year. And he was stressing out because then created something in a whole year. And then it shows like this, I don't know, TikToker that's like, I haven't made something in five minutes. Like, I need to be making something every like. And I think that ties in with um, the whole idea. My friend Angie Cole brings this up a lot of like, also, how are you measuring your worth? Are you measuring your worth? Based off of productivity, I'm only valuable when I'm creating something. I'm only valuable when I am giving something to the world. You know, maybe the best thing you can do right now is to just chill and just enjoy these moments however you want to go about doing that. Because then that will give you actual fulfillment as opposed to chasing stuff that has never given you fulfillment but you keep pursuing. Yeah, I love you mentioned. I love that you mentioned the control piece of that because when COVID first struck, like it was one of those things where I saw that so many people were upset and anxious because they had lost control yes. of what was going on. But for me, I was like, honestly, we never had control. <laughs> you lost. You lost the illusion of control. Exactly. Right. You you lost what you never. had actually had right so now like we you know regardless of whether we're going to go into a recession regardless of other political things like we are already on the point of just some stuff about to happen yep right uh, yep. regardless of covid and we just felt like we knew what was going on we people with 401ks felt like they had certainty of the future yep 
they did not. They never had it. Yep. <laughs> right. Um, but it was that illusion, the loss of the illusion of control. And so my thing is like, what happens if, and, and trust me, this is really hard because I'm a strategist at core. I want things to go the way that I want them to go. Yep. Right. Um, I'm a planful guy. I want things to like lock in. I want them to make sense. But I'm like, what happens if we just in this period where there's so much uncertainty, just lean into it mm-hmm. and say, you know what? We never had control. I'm not even trying to have control right now. I'm not. That's not what I'm really going after. I'm going after the moments that we have in front of us, right? How do we? And I know how do we create more of this? Sounds very controlling, but like, how do we really ex- receive what's in front of us? Um, and then understand that a, either at some point, thing that illusion of control will come back. Yep. Right, and then we'll get back into whatever new normal, or it won't, and we'll figure out whatever new normal it is there. And that that's you know, Jer- Jeff, I've been like. Throughout this period, I've been reading, um, or actually about two weeks before COVID started, I started reading Sapiens. Um, mm. And Sapiens is like the brief history of humankind and how Homo sapiens developed into what we were. And so it's really, it was really, um, gave me a lot of context, holistic context of like, this ain't the first, you know, epidemic. This ain't the first pandemic. This ain't the first thing that we've gone through like this. We have always figured it out. And in our current context, we are the most resilient and inventive and capable versions of our species as we have ever been. Yeah. Right? We're not out there with sticks and, you know, rocks trying to beat the flu. That's not not what's going on. Right. Right? We are the best as a species that we have ever been in some of these sort of things. So – Yes. I mean, I'm not trying to say like if you're an individual that's gotten sick or you've lost someone, I'm not trying to downplay how um, how that feels. And I'm not trying to say like, you know, you shouldn't be sad or anything. That's not not where I'm going. But looking at us as a species, looking at us as a people, we have the most evidence to be the most hopeful for our species as we've ever had. Right. Yes, absolutely. And there is something about really questioning what you thought was real and what actually was an illusion. What stories did you buy into before COVID and now which ones were just BS? Because there's something powerful about being able to play within the chaos. And one of the one of the thoughts that came to, to me was when you told me about your story of driving those convoys, man, like you got to tell that. Like, like being able to where you need to get to a certain place um, and how did you deal with when things went bad? Yeah, oh, that's a long story. Um, the general sort of thing here is I, I feel really fortunate. What I'll say is I feel really fortunate about my military experience, especially being deployed into a combat zone and doing these sort of things, because basically every day you were in like a COVID day. Right. <laughs> right. Every day, like you just knew whatever the plan was probably going to be upside down. <laughs> right. Um, by the time the end of the day got there and you did the best that you could with what you had. Um, but, yeah, it was just um I think at the end of the day, to make a long story super short, because I don't remember, I honestly don't remember which story we were talking about on that one, Jeff. Um, Basically, basically what you had just brought up was there was, you were, you had to lead convoys and you had to think of so many different scenarios that possibly could happen. And one time one of your convoys got stopped and you were, and you were like, we have to push through, but then it got stopped. And then you had to create like a, 
I don't, I don't, I don't know what it was referred to, but you basically had to protect the convoy amongst this crazy amount of chaos. And that's the moment when you have to be fully immersive. You can't mm-hmm. be of anything else. You have to be fully immersive. How were you able to do that? Um, there was no real how. There was just it, right? It's so I'll pause here real quick because I think you're talking about the time that um one of the generators fell off the back of a convoy and then it fell into a Saturday market scenario. And a Saturday market scenario is when um in in the Iraqi community because of Muslim, um that's when they do their big market days. They go shop and they do everything. So towns get super super crowded. And unfortunately, there aren't that many roads through the desert, as you may imagine. So you have to drive through these crowded places. Um, and normally you can get through pretty quickly, but we just happen to have a mishap where a piece of equipment fell off the back. And you can't leave just the equipment there. Just be like, whatever, we dropped something, keep going. Right. That's, that's not the way it works. Um, and so, but the convoy was split, so I sent most of them above. Um, and it was just this really, um, I'll, I'll keep the details short here, but like in that scenario, though, it's like... Um, you have like two jobs, get the equipment, three jobs, get the equipment, take care of your troops and don't die. Um, and so you get hyper-focused in a way that it wasn't like, how do you get in the moment? The moment is all on you. Right. right? Uh, and so it's only, um, you know, four hours later when you unpack it, it's like, Oh, um, I was really, really close to a really bad scenario. Um, cause in that particular scenario, this this went a different direction than we wanted a, a, a conversation about play. But in that particular scenario, I was um, there was about 82 ways that that it could have gone really, really poorly for me. Right. And it just didn't. Right. right. So I'm super fortunate in that way. Um, but um, it's really, though, what I will say is how one gets through those scenarios, I think, is the same as how we get through this scenario. Right. Is trusting yourself. Right. Trusting that what you think you need to do and what's the right move in that moment is the right move and then doing it because you don't have a lot of time to go out and see what everybody else is doing. I didn't have time to go check the regs about what the situation was going to do. I didn't have time to call battalion and ask them what I should do is like, this is an urgent situation. We'll get into it. We'll get it done. We'll pick it up afterwards. Right. As long as my, my chief fear in that scenario, I should have been more scared for my own safety turns out, but it was like, please, dear God, don't let any of my troops open fire because, um, that's one of those situations we can't pull back in. We can't, we can't undo that in a Saturday market scenario with automatic weapons. It's not a good look y'all. Right. So I was like, don't let me be the Miley massacre guy. Don't want to be him. Don't want to be him. Right. And so that was my biggest worry at the time is like, please, everybody just keep it locked down. Right. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's be safe. Let's do what we need to do, but get out of here. And so you don't have time in those moments to sort of second guess a lot of things. Right. Um, at least I did. I know that's one of like combat lockup is a thing where people just paralyze because they don't know what to do. Mm. Um, I was fortunate in that that never happened to me. Um, but I think it's we have a similar version of that happening in COVID time in the civilian environment, in which case, like what is keeping us from um, accomplishing the mission of joy, as it were, a <laughs> presence of um, getting our work done is that we're so busy, worried about everything that may happen and what we should do and what's the right move and things like that that we're just not taking the action that's in front of us, seeing what happens and then taking the next step. It's true. And I think of, I'm trying to put myself in someone's shoes where like, let's say I just got laid off. Right. And I've been at a job for a really long period of time. And all of a sudden they're like, yeah, 
just like the company's going under. Um, you don't want to play at that moment. You don't want to be like, let me create, you know, you are in like that state um, where you're super fearful. And when you're in a super fearful state, it's you, you, you don't really have, um, you're not in the mode where you can even play. But I feel like after you feel that emotion and after you've gone through like, you know, the doubting, then there's a, then there's an opportunity where you're like, okay, I can binge watch Netflix and just feel numb for a little bit, which may, you may need to do. That might be the therapy that you need, but at some point then you need to turn all that off, be bored and then really start to listen to what comes up for you. And then I feel like that's when the most powerful answers will bubble up to the surface. Yeah. And I think in that scenario, when you, when you mentioned all the fear, what's going to happen, how am I going to make it so on and so forth, right? So many of those are, I think, questions about the external world. Yes. What's going to happen to me? Am I going to di- like so on and so forth, right? As opposed to, okay, there's a near infinity of possibilities <laughs> of things that may happen. I can't, right. I can't control for that. Right. I can't solve for that. Only thing I can solve for is me in this couch situation, right? Yeah, right, exactly. right. It's like okay, exactly. I, I I can't do that, but also, um, I can't also stint. I'm no longer willing. Is what I want to say here. I'm no longer willing to um, not start moving things forward in whatever way that looks like for me. Right, right. got to do something. So once you're in that space, it's like okay, what if there are no right answers? Yep. What would be joyful? What future do you want to create? You know, um, what's one thing you've been meaning to get to for a while that you're going to decide to get to? Right. Um, and and, and the, the other part that I think of, too, is like, well, oh, man, all of yesterday, I just watched Netflix the entire day. Oh, I'm such a loser. And you start listening to like that inner critic, that inner voice, that inner beast. And it's just like, all right, that was yesterday. Let's go back to the questions that just Charlie brought up again. Like, not let's not spend time beating ourselves up. Let's have self compassion and be like, okay, what are we? What am I going to do with this very moment right now? This very moment right now that's going to bring me some joy, some creativity, something where I would feel proud of at the end of just making this. And it doesn't even have to be for anyone else. It could just be for me. Yeah. Um, don't waste a day worrying about how you wasted yesterday. Yes. Right. You've already paid for it. It's done. Right. Go forth. Do great things. Um, On that point, I'm looking at the time. Jeff, it's always fun to talk to you. Um, I've got a bunch of other random questions that I'm not going to ask. A little bit of discipline here. Uh, But as today's guest, you get to leave us with an invitation or a challenge. So based upon what we've talked about, what would you invite or challenge us to do? I would invite you to allow yourself to be bored. Um, And what that looks like, that's completely up to you, but that means like not consuming content or Netflix or, or anything that could distract you. And as you're sitting in your boredom for however long you need it to be, um, then just start listening to what your inner voice, your little superhero voice is saying, and whatever that tells you, do that. Just try it. Just experiment when it's just like, we should make this thing. Just listen to it. Or we should read this thing. 
just 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 listen to it and then just act on it and then reflect afterwards was that fun and if that was fun then do it again and again and i'm telling you like in a week you'll be just amazed with what you will have made the irony is not lost upon me that we started the conversation talking about play and we're ending it talking about being bored. <laughs> Let's go. <laughs> Jeff, oh. thanks so much for joining me. Absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. All right, everybody. So you heard it from Jeff. What can you do to embrace a little bit of boredom? I'm going to ratchet it up just a little bit. We want you to sit just past that discomfort of boredom, not just like you're about to be bored and then you do something, but like after that point and when it starts to get uncomfortable, see what happens in that space because you might find that just on the other side of boredom is a lot of play, a lot of joy, and a lot of progress. Until next time, stand tall and start finishing. Thanks for listening to Productive Flourishing. To get more resources that will help you finish the work that matters and be your best self in the world, head on over to ProductiveFlourishing.com. If this episode warmed your heart or got your wheels turning, we'd really appreciate it if you'd leave a review for the podcast on iTunes.